Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. How are you guys this morning? <laughs> sleepy, sleepy. Hey, I just want to say welcome. I'm really glad that you guys are here this morning. Uh, If you're joining us online, maybe type in the comments, let us know you're there. We're really glad that you're with us today. Uh, I am very excited about this series that we're starting today. This is called Called Out. Um, We're we're taking a look at uh, at what what or who is the church. Uh, so the word that, that God uses in Scripture uh, for the church is ecclesia. It's a Greek word, and it, it, it would define for us as the called out ones, right? So uh, this morning, we're actually going to be looking at, uh, at who's, who's being called out and what they're being called out to do. Uh, I'm really excited about this. This has been like a, a really encouraging study for me, um, and so I'm, I'm just excited to share it with you, and, uh, and hopefully this is uh, as meaningful for you as it was for me. Um, so I want to let, let you know, this is, so here's some interesting information. In 1928, um, Alexander Fleming was uh, going on vacation with his family, and he decided to go on vacation. When he returned, he had left some of his, he's a scientist, he'd left some of his research out on his, uh, on his bench, and it had all been destroyed, and uh, he couldn't figure out why. Uh, turns out he was studying staph infection, and there was a, some strange mold had grown on it and killed all the, all the bacteria, and we know that as penicillin. So uh, it was an amazing discovery, really great, and it's actually uh, it's saved countless lives since then. Uh, then uh, some other really good news. On May 8, 1945, uh, the unconditional surrender of Nazi Germany marks the end of World War II. The genocide of millions of Jewish people ends oppression around the globe. Super good news. Um, uh, another, another piece of good news, in 2003, a man named uh, uh, Nicholas Yaris was released from prison after serving 21 years on death row uh, for a crime he didn't commit because DNA evidence exonerated him, and he was actually innocent. I want you to think for just a second about some of the best news that you've ever received. Um, what was it? You know, uh, What would you do if you received life-changing good news? Uh, what would you do with information that could save somebody else's life? Or, or how would you feel uh, about receiving, how would you respond to information that saves your life? Uh, I want you to think, just kind of hold on to those questions because we're actually going to look at a portion of Scripture this morning that asks a lot of those same questions. Uh, but before we dig into the passage, it's always good to get context and know what's going on. So we're in the bo- chapter 4 of the book of Mark, and so we're going to actually talk for just a minute about what's happening leading up to this point. So Jesus is beginning his ministry, and he's, uh, he's actually calling his disciples, and he calls some of them, he calls uh, James and John, they actually leave their fishing nets, he says, come follow me, and they just like drop what they're doing, leave their dad in the boat, and they go follow Jesus, right? And so they, he calls them out to something, he calls them out, and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you how to fish for men. And teach you how to be fishers of men. So he's calling them out. Uh, Jesus is traveling around. He's actually healing people who are sick. Uh, he's casting out demons. He's teaching with authority, which gets kind of some mixed responses. Uh, and he's actually forgiving sin. And, and he was eating with tax collectors, uh, with disreputable sinners. And, and in chapter 2, uh, verse 12, it says, it says this. It says, there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. <laughs> so many 
tax collectors and disreputable sinners. Uh, so the Pharisees questioned him about this, <clears throat> and those are the religious leaders of the day. They questioned him, and they're like, why does he associate with such scum? That's what they're asking. And, and he responds like this. He says, in chapter 2, he says, I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know that they're sinners. So crowds of people, crowds of people are coming to Jesus. Some of them want to be healed. Some of them want to hear what he has to say. Some of them want national change. They're hoping that Jesus is coming to help them throw off Roman oppression, right? Uh, some of them are hoping he's the Messiah and that he's come to restore everything. And uh, many of them want them to fix their problems. <clears throat> and others want to kill him. So all of this is happening. This is all what's happening when Jesus starts to teach in Mark 4. And, uh, and that's what we're going to read this morning. So I'm going to read that uh, in in my Bible here, but you can follow along on the screen or in, in your Bible that you brought with you. But <clears throat> we're going to be in Mark chapter 4, and we're re reading verses 1 through 20. <clears throat> so it says this, Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat, then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them <clears throat> by telling, telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he, scattered as, he, as he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain." Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted and grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who gathered around him, they asked him what he meant, what the parables meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. But I use parables and everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants a seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away soon as, they have, as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced." And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So this is the, the parable that Jesus is telling. And uh, um, when, when he tells this parable, he's, he's telling a parable about how people will respond uh, to God's word, to, to the the gospel, right? So hey, how, the, how are the people going to respond to the word of God? Um, and if you look at this, I, I think it's valuable. If we look at John chapter 1, uh, it says this. It says, 
In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So what's important to understand here is that Jesus is telling a parable about how people will respond to the Word of God, but what he's actually doing is he's talking about himself, because Jesus really is the Word of God. And so when we look at John 1, it makes it really, really clear there that, that he's talking about himself. So, so Jesus is actually telling a parable about how people will respond to him. So he is the message, right? Uh, you have to remember that all Scripture is about Jesus. All of it from the beginning to the end all points towards Christ. So Jesus is really telling about how people will respond to him. So you see, people are gathered around Jesus, and there were so many people that he had to climb in a boat and teach from the water while they're on shore, and, and they've all come with, uh, with wants and needs and desires. And, uh, and, and so what Jesus does is he actually tells them about the one thing that will actually meet all of their needs, and that's him. And so what is he saying? Well, <clears throat> we should probably dig a little bit deeper here. And uh, when Jesus is talking about the seed that's scattered, he's talking about the message of the gospel. And that word gospel is actually just uh, the, the def definition of that is good news. It's good. There was a gospel. There was even, there was, so when Caesar came into power, there had been a gospel of Caesar announcing that Caesar was in, in charge of the world or whatever. And so it was interesting that Jesus chose that word gospel. So this is the good news about Jesus Christ, right? So that's what he's talking about. So the seed is the gospel, and it's the thing that all Scripture is about, and it ultimately points towards. It's, it's the gospel. This gospel is the one ultimate truth and the answer to every problem. It's a big claim. Uh, <clears throat> so these people have come, many of them, they want their surface and immediate needs to be met, but, uh, but they're completely unaware of their real need. You know, it's, it's, a lot like, it's a lot like the guy who goes uh, and climbs up the ladder at his house, falls off the ladder, hurts himself, and goes to the emergency room. Goes to the emergency room, his arm hurts, and so he tells the doctor, like, hey, my arm hurts. The doctor examines him, and the doctor says, uh, you have internal bleeding that's going to kill you if we, don't, uh, if we don't repair it immediately. And the guy says, well, but my arm hurts, right? And so he has an immediate need <clears throat> that's maybe clouding his, uh, his understanding, but uh, uh, it's really easy to focus on our immediate circumstances and forget about our real condition. It's easy to look at our immediate trouble and forget that we have a bigger issue. Um, sometimes, and sometimes it's actually not our problems that, uh, that distract us from the real issue. Uh, sometimes it's our desires that shift, or shift our focus or, or even numb us to the facts. But the fact is that we are all uh, desperately in need of saving. You know, our real problem is that because of our own sin or our own self-leadership, we can't be right before God. If you remember last Sunday, uh, uh, Fritz was teaching out of Philippians 2, and, and Philippians 2 was just so clear that uh, Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the supreme, he's the authority over everything, and how you respond to that means everything. And there can only be one Lord, and so what happens when we choose self-leadership and... and, uh, um, and Disobedience over surrender and obedience, uh, what we're actually doing, that's sin. That's what sin is. It's, it's self-leadership. And it condemns us to eternal uh, punishment and separation from God. So that is our real problem. That is a problem uh, that everyone 
who exists has. Now, the gospel says that Jesus is the only answer for that problem. That's our real need. Nothing else matters outside of that. It's the real problem. It's the, it's the, it's the thing that we may, not even be, we may not even be able to see, but it's, the, it's there. You know, we're all guilty, and, and there's no good work that we can do that can reverse what we've done. So how we respond to this problem and the message of the gospel means everything. It, it, it is literally the difference between life and death. So sometimes when we read, either when we read this parable or possibly when people were hearing this parable taught, it, it was easy, and it's very easy for us to boil this down to a moral, right? And if we were to do that, the moral of the story would probably be something like, be the good soil. Don't, don't be like the other soils, be the good soil, right? Be, uh, be the one that uh, God approves of. Be the soil that produces a hundred times as much. Yeah, that's our natural response. Our natural response is just, uh, we'll do better, work harder, uh, you know, produce more. Uh, that's actually our response to most problems in life. So if something's not working, you know, our response is, well, change, we've got to change something. We've got to change something. I've got I to do better. I've got to work harder. I've got to try something different. Um, I need to be a better version of myself. Uh, there's all kinds of answers that we, we try and bring to our problems. But if we take this view of the gospel, we really don't understand it at all. Um, Jesus says it right here in the parable uh, that all of the, he's basically saying all of the power is within the seed, not in the soil. So remember, Jesus is telling a parable about how the world will respond to him rather than boiling it down to a moral. Jesus is not calling people to mechanical religious change. In fact, the Pharisees actually want to kill him based on his opposition to religion, right? He's, instead, he's calling people to humble surrender to the gospel, humble surrender to, to him. And so in, in the instance of every soil uh, that he talks about, the seed actually had to die. You know, the most powerful thing in this parable is actually the smallest and the weakest. Uh, Jesus says it like this. He demonstrates it uh, in John 12 when he says, He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So you have to see that the only way that we bear any fruit is through the death of Jesus, not through any of our works. Right? He's saying he has to die. He's actually saying someone has to die. That's, that's the penalty of sin, is death. Um, when, you, when you actually see, when you see, come to the point where you see that you were totally guilty, deserving of death, eternal punishment, and Jesus stepped in and took that penalty for you, the only response is to accept it. You know, Because if that wasn't enough, not only does he forgive you completely now, he actually gives you his perfect right standing before God. So when God sees you now, he doesn't see your sin at all. Instead, he sees you as righteous as his own son. That's, that's the mind-blowing, overwhelming, best news ever truth of the gospel. Uh, God does not say, clean up so I can love you. Rather, he says, I love you so much that I will take your punishment for you and I will make you clean. That's, 
That's the power that's within the seed, right? The power of the gospel. It's bigger than any problem you'll ever encounter. It's bigger than all the cares of the world. And it's the only thing that can give you genuine freedom and joy and peace. So when you genuinely encounter that power and it makes your, its way into your heart, it changes you forever. <laughs> you, you're just completely changed. So you have to understand uh, about the soil is that the soil, uh, this is really important to know, the soil could not produce a crop. <clears throat> the soil could only receive the seed. So uh, the soil couldn't make itself good. Uh, it, couldn't make it, so, it couldn't make the seed grow and produce uh, fruit. Uh, the, the soil, what's funny is the soil couldn't even make itself not grow thorns, right? The real power, the real power at work here is the seed. Romans 1.16 says it like this. Paul says this. He says, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. The thing you've got to understand about the gospel um, is that salvation and new life through Jesus is a gift. It's not a wage. It's not something you can earn. It's only something you can accept. Uh, think of it this way. Uh, what, what disqualifies you from earning a wage? Yeah, not where you don't do the work, you don't get the money, right? Um, now, what disqualifies you from receiving a gift? Yeah, just not accept it. Like you, so you have the pride and arrogance not to accept it. You have to actually reject a gift, Right? So salvation, the gospel is not, it's, it's, it's not a wage, it's a gift. I mean, like if you, wanna, if you really want to talk about wages, uh, Romans 6.23 is like super clear about this. And it says the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. So God uh, says through Scripture that everyone has sinned and the wage that we've earned, that we've actually earned, is death. There's no work that you can do that will unearn that wage. The only work that is sufficient is the work that Jesus did for us on our behalf because he never sinned. He lived the perfect life that I should have lived and he died the death that I actually deserved. He died because I sinned. He took all of the penalty that sin deserved for everyone who ever lived and whoever would live on himself all at once and was crushed by it. Jesus, the seed of the gospel, went into the ground and died so that we could, through him, we could live. You know, we've, we've got to hear that. We've got to know that, that our standing before God has absolutely nothing to do with what we deserve. I mean, unfortunately, there's a very popular theology among people uh, that, that goes something like this. If I, uh, if I do good things, then God will approve of me. If I do more good things than I do bad things, then God will probably approve of me. <clears throat> but the very first soil that, that Jesus mentions in this parable is actually uh, called the footpath, or some translations call it the highway. <clears throat> so some of the seed landed on the this footpath or the highway, and the reason that it never sprouted was it was too hard for the seed to penetrate that never penetrated. It actually rejected the seed, and the birds carried it away. 
So while he's not explicitly calling out the Pharisees here, this is actually who he's talking about. Because, uh, and, and all the other Gospels, everything else he says actually supports that. Um, and, and he's talking about them, but what you need to remember about the Pharisees is it's easy for us to paint them as villains, right? It's easy for us to, to look at them in Scripture and say, these are the bad people. But here's something to know. Uh, so the Pharisees, that's not really an accurate description. The Pharisees were the popular party of the day in, uh, in the nation of Israel. They were, uh, they were the moral, conservative, church-going, good people, right? They didn't drink, they didn't chew, they didn't go with girls who do, right? They was, that was them, right? So uh, <clears throat> they, were, they were the good people, right? They, they were doing good things. They actually, they actually tried to follow the law of God to the letter, the trouble with that is that they, uh, they believe that God approved of them because of their good doing, right? So they believe that their good works earned them favor before God. So when Jesus comes on the scene and calls them out on their arrogance and their pride, they're offended and deeply opposed to him, right? They actually want to kill him. They would not accept him, and they would rather rely on their own performance as their merit before God. They were the soil that was too hard for the seed to penetrate. They rejected the gospel and the grace of God through Jesus. But like the other soil, the important thing to remember is that the seed died for them as well. That's, that's the absolute beauty of the gospel. Jesus died for the Pharisees too. So you have to be careful when you think about this because you have to see the Pharisee or the religious leader or the, the, you know, the, the person like that that actually lives inside you. you know, we all share that thinking in part. I was actually the Pharisee that Jesus died for too. Everyone wants to look at the Pharisee and point at him and say, that's not me. We want to make that comparison, right? <clears throat> but Look at the way you measure anything in life. I mean, like every, we measure everything this way. So uh, how, do you, how do you know if somebody's rich? Well, they have more money than everybody else. There's a comparison, right? How do you know if you're successful? Well, I'm better than this person, and I'm not as good at that per- as that person. So I'm, you make this comparative measurement. And, and you measure everything comparatively, physical ability, mental ability. Uh, if you, you have to spend like two seconds on the Internet to find out that we actually measure happiness comparatively. Right, so it's it's no surprise. It should not be surprising at all when we try and measure our spiritual condition comparatively as well. God says something through Scripture that's very important here. He says in Second Corinthians ten verse twelve, He says, "When they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding." One translation even says, "How ignorant!" Right. <laughs> Thanks be to God that the gospel is different. It's not like that at all. There is, there is actually no comparison. Because if there was comparison, we would all be doomed, right? Instead, it has nothing to do with deserving. When you accept the truth of the gospel and put your faith in Jesus, God pours out his grace on you and gives you everything you don't deserve and nothing that you do deserve. How can you possibly respond to that? Like, what could you possibly do to repay that type of generosity and mercy? Nothing. There's nothing you could do. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't earn it. You can't repay it. The only response that's left is to accept it and to follow Jesus because of his love for you. 
You see, the closer you get to the gospel, the more it compels you. The more you realize your sin, the more you realize the depth of God's grace towards you. You know, the closer you get to the gospel, the more you realize your need for just like deep change. Religion says this. Religion says, I obey, therefore God accepts me. But the gospel says, God accepts me by his grace through Jesus, and I want to obey. Can you see how, how different those two things are? I mean, like drastically different. Both of these things affect change, but admittedly, they will both change you, but they're very, very different types of change. <clears throat> so religion will only change the outside, and it never touches the inside. It, it really is. It's the rock-hard soil that rejects the free gift of the gospel. It, it actually only serves itself. You, you, you change for what you can get. See, here's what happens. You work so that God will accept you, but you can never actually achieve perfection, so you're, you're only crushed under the weight of guilt and failure. So when you, when you fail, you're devastated because you think you've lost God's favor, and, that, and now everything bad that happens is because God's punishing you for your sin. But when you're doing good... You actually feel deserving and entitled to God's favor. And then if bad things happen, you become angry at God because you feel uh, you don't deserve what's happening. Like, I, like this, I don't understand. I'm doing all the right things, but circumstances are not going the way they should. Maybe that sounds familiar. That definitely sounds familiar to me. <clears throat> the problem with that thinking is that in that scenario, you are controlling God by your actions. If you do this, then God has to do that. If you believe that, when you believe that, you're really saying, I am in control of everything, right? You're actually living as though you're God. That's the definition of self-leadership and sin. It's sin. There can only be one Lord. Scripture is really clear about that. And the truth is, Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, gospel change is very, very different. If you are really forgiven and accepted and favored by God because of his grace through the incredible work of Jesus, then you're filled with, with joy and gratitude. There's, there is nothing you can do to earn it, and you know that you don't deserve it. Remember in Mark 2.17, he said, he said, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. It's a free gift that you could never afford. Jesus' love is the thing that compels you. You obey because you want to be with him. The gospel, it gets down, it gets down inside of you, and it changes everything. When you fail... Uh, you know without a doubt that God has forgiven you and you repent with profound gratefulness and deep joy. When you do good, you can only credit God's grace and the Holy Spirit working in you. Now, when things are hard, you, you know that it's not God punishing you because Jesus already took any punishment that you deserved. Instead, you see, the, you see difficult circumstances very, very differently you see difficult circumstances with great hope, and you know that God loves you like his own son and that he's doing something that's bigger than you can see. The change that God, the gospel makes changes the way you see everything. 
It changes the way you see uh, people who are difficult or people who are different than you. Remember, Jesus died for people who actually hated him. When the gospel changes you, the way you respond to everyone begins to change. God's gift, God's grace is a gift. It is not a wage. <laughs> Thank God for that. Uh, so Jesus explains this parable, and he goes on and explains it, but he doesn't actually explain it to everyone. <clears throat> there were these massive crowds there, but they're all gone now, and, and, uh, and there's just the disciples, and it, then it says, and. It says, there were the disciples and those who were gathered around. It's not like the disciples were like privy to some inside information just because they were the disciples, right? Um, so these people were there, and Jesus gives them a gift. He says this, he says, uh, and it's the same as the gift he gives you and I. He says, you are permitted to know the secret of the kingdom of God. See, when Jesus told this parable, uh, and he was talking about the soil that accepted the seed and produced a crop 30, 60, 100 times as much, he was talking about the people that were standing there. Right, The people that were gathered around him, the people that wanted him. <clears throat> Many of the other people that were there, they were there for what they could get from Jesus. But these people, uh, th those people may have wanted the miracles, but these people wanted Jesus. So it, what he's saying is they were the good soil, but their merit was not because of them. Their merit was because of the seed that was in them. It was the good news about Christ. You see, the gospel was for every, it was there for everyone, but the ones who stayed were the ones who really wanted Jesus. Because when you want Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, when you want Jesus, you actually get Jesus. So there's the only way, the only way to soften your heart to the gospel is the gospel. The only way to be the good soil is to get close to Jesus and stay there, Right? You don't have the power. He is the power. You have to understand that. The message, that is the message of the gospel. You, you couldn't do it. You still can't do it. You couldn't live without sin. And, and Jesus could, and he has, and he did it for you. He did everything for me because he loves me. Jesus has given me a gift, and the gift that he gave me was himself. So when you, let, when you let the gospel break you, when you let him soften your heart, when it, when it overwhelms you because you understand that you are infinitely undeserving and at the same moment infinitely loved because of Jesus, when the gospel works way down deep in your heart, uh, when that happens, you just can't help but bear fruit. And it's not because of you, but the seed that's planted in you. <clears throat> See, after this, uh, Jesus immediately says to, to the people that are there, he says, does anyone bring in a lamp and put it under a basket or under a bed? Doesn't he set it on a stand? <clears throat> so what you have to realize is that everyone who is really changed uh, by the gospel can't keep it in. When real followers of Jesus experience the grace of God, they can't help but tell others about it. In fact, it's the most loving thing they could possibly do. Once you see the grace of God, you cannot unsee it. it <laughs> scripture says it is the power of God at work, saving all who believe. 
So think for just a minute about the best news or some of the best news you've ever received, and then think about what you did immediately after that. The natural response to good news is to tell other people. Like, I, if, if you have good news happen, you just have to tell somebody about it, right? So the natural response is to do that. And when you find out that you've been forgiven from all sin for all time, solely, completely because of God's grace, and you've received eternal life and eternal blessing, not to mention real peace, joy, freedom, the natural response is to tell somebody else to tell others about it. You, you basically have the information, one, that everybody wants, and two, that will save the eternal life of everyone that you come in contact with. So when Jesus said in John 12, when he said, Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls in the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. This is exactly what he was talking about. The seed of the gospel has the power to cover the entire earth with genuine followers of Christ who have forgiveness and freedom and hope and joy and eternal peace in him. So when Scripture refers to the church or the ecclesia, the called out ones, if you've been affected by the gospel, you are the church. It's God's people. It's calling us out to share the good news of the gospel with everyone, everywhere. It, it is the absolute best life-saving news that anyone will ever hear. It's calling us to fall completely and deeply in love with Jesus through the gospel every day so that it fundamentally changes everything about us. It trans I mean, it just transforms our lives. When the gospel gets deep down inside of us, it overflows to everyone around us. That's, that's why in Matthew 5, Jesus says this. He says, he says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. <clears throat> you can't keep it in. You just have to share it. Jesus, this is very different than saying, you must go do this. Jesus is saying, this is such good news. You're, you just have to. You just have to let it out. You can't even contain it. Jesus is saying to his followers that you are the light of the world. And then in John 12, he says, I am the light of the world. So which is it? <laughs> is it, is it us or is it him? Actually, it's both. So when, when you trust Jesus by faith, um, God's Spirit lives inside you. You actually have the seed of the gospel in you. So what you have to know is we, as the church, the people who have been affected by the gospel, people who are following Christ, are God's plan A for sharing the gospel with everybody else. And if you were here last week, I really appreciated how Fritz said this. He's like, do you know what plan B is? <laughs> there isn't one. <laughs> You're it. That's what, that was God's plan. He's going to accomplish it. So... This is what Jesus meant in Matthew 28 when he says, Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Go. Go and tell them the good news. Tell them that he saved you from sin and death and gave you new life, eternal life, with joy and peace and freedom. Tell them how he loves them. Tell them how he loves them so much that he died so that they could live. Tell them that, that the only thing they have to do to, is turn from their 
self-directed lives and follow Jesus by surrendering to him as Lord and putting their faith in him. You see, this is not just some uh, idealistic uh, idea. The fact is that people are uh, regularly, uh, I mean, like people who are following Christ, they're experiencing the gospel and they're experiencing the grace of God, and, and that's normal for people who are following Christ. And when that happens, they're actually sharing that with people around them. I, I'm gonna, I want to ask my, I've got my friend Steve, he came and shared something in the first service. I want him to share this little story with you from this last week. Um, and I think it really clearly paints a picture of how, uh, how the gospel gets in us and then it just has to get out. So Steve, you want to come up and share that story? Here, I'll grab you a stool. So Steve is a, a small group, small group co-leader here. And, uh, he, uh, he shared the story with me earlier this week, and I thought it was uh, incredibly helpful and encouraging. You've got to turn it on, though, this little button there. Keep going. There you go. No, hold it. Yep, there you go. There we go. Yeah. Okay. I'm not used to being <laughs> up here with a microphone. Um, so last week, um, I was feeling very disconnected. Um, normally, I'm, I'm in a small group, I'm co-leading. I'm very focused on Scripture, and... Um, uh, so I missed a, a week of church, then I was missing my small group, and I was not in prayer, and so I just feeling very disconnected, and um, at the end of uh, last week's service, um, uh, they invited us up to pray, and uh, I was, my wheels were spinning, I'm like, I, I gotta go up and pray, so I came up and prayed with Matt, and just told him I felt disconnected, and just needed prayer, um, then after the service, I also had a chance to pray with Fritz, and um, you guys, some of you know my son Lucas, um, just recently had an uh, injury on his foot, um, and he's been unable to walk. If you know him, he's very fast. I'm normally chasing him at 100 miles an hour. Um, so uh, as we're standing by the front door, uh, Lucas leans over and grabs, uh, let's see, I think I have... Right here. These are not left over. These are new, huh? These are new. These are new <laughs> invite cards. So he grabs a stack of these things, and I put them in my pocket, uh, not thinking much of it. And we went home, and being that, that Lucas is slowed down right now, uh, we decided to take a walk in the wagon um, instead of me chasing him at 100 miles an hour. So uh, we went over to a friend's house, and... Uh, they weren't there, so I just kind of turned around, and I see this guy with a Jeep. I thought, oh, that's really cool. I'm going to go talk to him about that. And I realized I had a pocket full of these invite cards. So as I'm talking to him, I just kind of uh, shared a little bit about um, grace, you know, and how it's affected me. I grew up in a very legalistic home, and just it, it was always like, you know, you, you got to be good enough. You got to, you know, earn God's favor. I knew I was saved by grace, but... I didn't understand what it meant to live by grace. Wow. So um, this, this message was, was very, uh, you know, close to home for me. Um, and it wasn't until a few years ago when I started coming here that I actually realized that I didn't understand grace. So um, I prayed about it, and there was this verse, um, my grace is sufficient for you. I, I forget what verse that is, but um, I had it written at home, and I looked at it, and I said, you know, I don't really... You know, God, I don't know what that means. So help me understand that. And it wasn't two days later, Matt says, hey, I want you to read this book. It's called Transforming Grace. I'm like, really? That's, that's crazy because 
I'm kind of wondering what that means. And um, after, after reading that book, I started to understand grace was, was that free gift that I couldn't earn, that I was trying to earn, and, and it really changed my life. Um, so I just want other people to know about that. So I shared a little bit about that with this uh, neighbor, and um, I gave him an invite card to say, you know, we're here at 909, 11.11. And then I saw uh, another neighbor out chopping a tree. So I'm like, hmm. I have more cards. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go give this guy a card. Turns out it's some uh, lady's son from the church, um, and uh, apparently I didn't share this with you, but apparently she's been praying for him, um, and so I got to share a little bit with him. And I see another lady mowing the lawn, so I'm like, well, you know what? I'm just gonna pass out every one of these <laughs> cards. I'm gonna make you know a commitment um, because Lucas put these in my pocket. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go give everybody a card. So. Uh, share with another neighbor in the garage. And these are all just really normal conversations. They're not like, I didn't feel like I was, you know, out there preaching or anything. It was just sharing a little bit about my story and then saying, hey, we, we're here if you ever decide you've got time. Obviously, you do. You're out here mowing your lawn on a Sunday, so you've got time. You're not working. I'm joking. Um, so uh, I, I'm walking along. I've got one card left, and I'm looking like, where's the opportunity? I'm looking at these houses. I'm like, no, not that one. That's not it. And um, I see this house, and there's a big picture window, and there's a light on in the kitchen, and it looks like nobody's living there. And then this lady pops up in the window, and I'm like, ooh, is this, is this the right one to give it to? And I'm like, uh, so I, turn, I remember uh, the service you guys had talked about, um, just praying for boldness instead of opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I turn around for like three seconds, and I'm like, God, give me this. Okay, I just need some boldness here. I need some words. So I go up to the door, and Lucas is sitting in the wagon right there, um, nice and still for once. And this lady comes to the door. I'm like, don't worry, we're not selling anything. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And I'm like, Look, we're just going around the neighborhood, and I'm kind of sharing a little bit about my story, just inviting people to, to come you know, visit with us uh, on Sunday morning. And before I left, I said, is there anything I can and pray about for you? And she just turns into a puddle of tears. And um, part of what you shared in the service was people not necessarily understanding their need, and they're so focused on everything uh, that's distracting them from the real need. And I think she realized at that moment she needed prayer. And she goes on to tell me that her, her husband has stage 5 cancer. So Lucas and I stood there and prayed with her for a little bit. Um, we gave her some hugs and um, gave her a card. And um, I didn't share this. I, I know I'm probably eating up a bunch of time, but... <laughs> Um, That's not going to stop you, is it? Right. No, it's not going to stop me. So you're just going to sit here and listen. I have the microphone. So um, <laughs> you gave it to me. Um, I'm going to share something else that, that has been on my heart. Um, Lucas, uh, if you know him, he doesn't really talk. Um, the, the thing that he's usually excited about is saying bye, like get out of here, get out of my face. Um, but he doesn't really talk, and um, he has Down syndrome, and he's on the autism spectrum. And it's always bothered me. And I always wondered, you know, how, how can God use him? And after seeing this, it just, it just broke my heart because I saw God using him to get the invite cards. I saw him sitting still in the wagon. You know, had it not been a wagon ride, it was like 90 degrees last week, and mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have been outside walking. But he jumped in that wagon and was ready to go. And so just seeing God use him in that way, just, it just encourages me so much. So, um, you know, you just don't know how he's going to work. And 
And this was a true blessing for me. So I wanted to share that story with you guys. Yeah. And so this started with you feeling disconnected and, and actually turning to prayer, like, like going to God in prayer with brothers sisters and sisters in Christ. And, 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 and God answers it immediately through Lucas <laughs> and, uh, and says, oh, you feel disconnected? I've got a solution for that, right? And, uh, and so I thought this was incredible. And so the reason I wanted Steve to share this is this is not just like, um, that's not just Fritz because he's outgoing, is okay with going and sharing the gospel with people or talking to people or praying for people or loving people and telling people the good news. If, this is, if, if, it's, if it's affected you, like if it's in here, it just has to get out. So that's, that's why I wanted Steve to share that. Steve, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, so the truth is, um, the good news of the gospel is, uh, is something God actually calls, uh, calls each one of us. If we've been affected by it, he actually gives us opportunity to share it. So that's the thing that we're being called out to. Um, if it's working on you, if it's, if it's in your heart, actually God has called you, um, and he's called us together to share that. We, we don't actually need to pray for opportunity, and I, I, I think I appreciate Steve sharing that. There's opportunity everywhere. Um, God's actually already answered that prayer. He, there's there's uh, 50,000 people in Hancock County alone who are far from God. That's just based on the census numbers of people saying um, they have no, uh, no religion, right? Or they, and that's, so, and that's, that's based on that. But, uh, but if we pray for boldness to share the gospel with other people, that's something God, like he took three seconds to pray and he's like, God, I need boldness. And then God said, Boldness. You've got boldness to go do that. And, and it's just asking. Um, so Jesus' response was this. He, he said, when he looked at the crowds, it says he had compassion on them <laughs> because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he says to his disciples, he's like, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. What's interesting is that's Matthew 9. <laughs> and immediately following it in Matthew 10, Jesus actually sends them out, right? Pray for the workers, and then he sends them out. So um, Jesus had compassion. and He had compassion on me. Now, because of that, I have the good news that can save uh, everyone. The, the gospel is in me. I have the message to share, and it's, it's the mission of, it's God's mission for his called out people to share it with everyone. And maybe you're sitting here this morning, uh, and you, you haven't accepted the life-changing truth of the gospel, the gift, the free gift of God. Um, if, you're, if you're hearing it today, and, and if, if, it's, if it's penetrating your heart, um, I guess I would say, don't wait. There's no reason to wait. Uh, you actually can do that right now. You can, you can turn away from self-leadership and sin today and surrender to Jesus as Lord. Because he paid it all. He really did. There was nothing you could do. You don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. Yet it's his free gift to you. No matter where you're at with that, I would, I would challenge you this. Ask God this week to, to change your heart 
with the gospel. Whether, whether, you're, whether you know Christ or whether you don't know Christ, if you know Christ, ask him to change your heart with the gospel. Man, that is something that should be happening to us every day as we, as we seek him, as we know him. That's, that's the people who were gathered around him that wanted him. So take a minute. We ask this question every, every week here at Lighthouse. Take a minute, ask this question, pray and ask this question. God, what are you saying to me through your word today? And then let's just, let's just be quiet for just a minute and listen. You know, we, we believe deeply in prayer here at Lighthouse, and, and God really invites us into that. And uh, as Steve mentioned, we have prayer partners who are going to be at the front and the back and the four corners of the room today, and, and they're ready to pray with you about anything. And so if you need prayer, if you sense God speaking to you, like like Steve did last week when he says, man, I just need prayer. And and let me just let me just tell you a secret. Everyone needs prayer. Um, there's none of us that don't need that. So uh, we just want to open that opportunity for people. If you need prayer, just come up, go to one of these people in the, in the corners, and 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 they're ready to pray with you. But before we do that, we're going to actually sing one more song. There'll be time for that. Uh, but before we do that, I want to pray for you, Father. I. <laughs> I don't have words to explain my gratitude to you. Um, Father, I'm grateful that you had compassion on us, that you, um, you died the death that I deserved. And because of that, I have new life in you. Father, I thank you for that. I'm grateful for that. And I pray that you would, uh, you would call everybody to you, that you would call people who need prayer to get prayer, that you would call people who need Jesus to get Jesus. And uh, Father, I just pray that you would make that, I thank you that you've already made that accessible to us. And, and we just confess you as Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 9.09 or 11.11. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.